0: Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting.
1: He'd wait by the door after school. I'd come home whistling and next thing I knew We were tumbling backward, hunter and prey Still nice to know someone missed me all day Was he a toy or a tiger? Partner in crime and trusted advisor And was it all real or did I? ask a
0: person what comic strip was the greatest of all time uh, you're probably going to get Calvin and Hobbes as the answer every single time it is a singular artistic vision Uh, it's one of those rare things that kind of is inarguably the best of its medium it's rare it's kind of like you know uh, New York Yankees of baseball or the Beatles and music and stuff it's like it's an easy number one answer to pick because it's flat out wonderful and I don't I have yet to meet a person who isn't moved by it who isn't sort of uh, enraptured by it so I'm really excited to be talking about Calvin and Hobbs today We'll we'll get into my memories of it but it looms large for me and I know it looms large for our guest uh, please welcome to the show Case Aiken
2: Hi, uh, thank you for having me on and thank you for uh, being down to talk about this like very specific sliver of nostalgia that I feel is shared by a lot of people.
0: Well, case well, even before we get into your nostalgic memories, uh, can you tell the folks here about uh, the various podcasts you do, all of which are awesome, by the way?
2: Oh, th- th- thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so I am part of the Certain POV uh, podcast network, um, and I host two currently cu- currently with an asterisk running uh, shows, uh, as well as uh, I was the uh, the dungeon master for our network wide Star Wars D anD D game that is currently on a hi- hiatus. But uh, we we ran for about uh, four years for that one, um, <laughs> and uh, and took a pause really when it just became too hard to do. Completely online calls, uh, but uh, I host another pass, which is a movie and uh, movie appreciation show. It's a a show where my co-host and I talk about movies that we find fascinating but flawed, and speculate on how realistically at the time of production we could have done something to steer the course in a better direction than ultimately happened. Um, and then every five episodes, we look at movies that actually had those kind of production issues, and someone made it work. Like someone made it like a really successful piece, such as um, like predator uh behind the scenes everyone just had terrible diarrhea no like almost everyone was sick like it was just a nightmare of a of an existence for everyone on board but it's a classic of a movie uh that's because there were a lot of people who are very creative creative and very committed to making a good thing happen and that's what we try to talk about like what could have been done for like more more problematic movies or movies that you know just didn't quite hit the mark or flat with critics or whatever. Uh, and then my other show is men of steel, which is a Superman and Superman adjacent appreciation show where we talk about Superman specifically, but like the archetype of Superman, like the, the, the power fantasy that's involved and like why it's a positive experience for us. Uh, Cause it, frankly it's spite because so many batman fans are like oh batman's cool he can beat anyone with prep time superman's lame uh and my co-host and i were like you know what superman's not lame superman's pretty cool man and like so we talk about uh anything that sort of is like a fun aspect of it so it could be invincible or the boys or it could be us looking at uh in depth on the depth and return of superman since this was the uh 30th anniversary of that uh which is terrifying to say out loud uh but yeah those are the main things I'm working on. <laughs> yeah, and wait till you to
0: find out how old Calvin and Hobbes is. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I watched the video you did specifically on Stupendous Man, which was great. And we'll, we'll get into Stupendous Man as we go. Um, so why don't we start, yeah, where we usually start. Case, tell me about, what is it about Calvin and Hobbes that made you want to pick this as the subject for today?
2: I, I mean, I think that... The, There's two parts to that, because there's why was it so resonant with me at the time when I picked it up? And then why was it a thing that I felt was a good idea for us to talk about on this? And I think that the... The the former is really obvious. Like I was, I, I I was born in 1984. The strip was came around a couple years later. So by the time I was of reading age, there was a little bit of a backlog, but it wasn't like that dated of a series at the time. Uh, I I really connected with the character because I think I started really appreciating the series when I was in like first grade. So I was six, and I believe that's the his grade for the ma- majority of the run. So I was like very much like oh I'm that exact age, and also I had an active imagination, and I, I really related to. All of the things that are going on in it, the, the existence of, of fantasy elements that he just sort of, like, brings in willy-nilly into his his main world, uh, the imaginary friend, the the desire to explore nature, and the, the kind of isolation that exists uh, in childhood if you don't have, like, a lot of friends very close to your house growing up. Like, th- those were all, like, pieces that, like, yeah, of course it made sense that it connected with six-year-old me because it's... It, It's a series that was, like, exactly designed for people like me at that time. Uh, But why I thought it was good to bring up now is that I've been seeing that it is really resonating with a lot of people. Um, And as a result, it's been on my mind... a lot these days. Uh, there are Facebook groups dedicated to people making memes using Calvin and Hobbes strips, which are hilarious. Uh, there are just tons of people like doing videos and like uh, like video essays and, and just like thought pieces about like why Calvin and Hobbes was relevant or whatever. Um, and, and I had like my own personal like reconnection just, just right before this. Uh, like you mentioned, I did a video on Stupendous Man, uh, Calvin's uh, Superman like fantasy that he goes through. And you know what, like re, like I was already like primed for all these other things with like, again, the memes and everything and rereading a bunch of strips. I'm like, Oh, right. These are amazing. <laughs> like, this is a series that are, that that's just so fantastic and so open about the artistic process. I, um, it's a series that it's widely known a lot of what went into making the strip because there was the very well-received 10th anniversary book where uh, bill watterson the creator of the book went by many of the major strips and, and storylines and like explained the thought process explained what he was trying to do went into you know huge depth in terms of the behind the scenes stuff it was like a director's commentary track for dvds that would become very popular right after that uh but for a a literary work for uh you know for the sequential art thing which has so much thought going into it and so it's it's my kind of nerdom but like honestly the internet is allowing us all to kind of find that kind of nerdom that we all share which is like the, that like hyper fixation and like really appreciation of like the entire process of it all uh and and people are really jiving with it and it's it just seemed like a good thing to talk about because i feel like so many of us are having this like renaissance with the, with the work because it holds up so well.
0: Yeah. I mean, outside of the occasional moment where Calvin talks about like, we need to rent a VCR. The thing is really evergreen, right? There's, there's nothing in it that is, you know, out of time uh, or something that an audience from 2023 couldn't relate to. That's just, this is, I think just, it hits something universal to kind of jump to the end of the podcast, but like it, it hits something like about all of our childhoods. Like I was going back and looking at this and I've been reading it with my uh, seven-year-old daughter and that's been just, you know, kind of a emotional just punch every time Uh, that's, I'm just super excited to pull the thing out and look at it. Um, For me, like as a kid growing up in the eighties, I, you know, I, I wanted to be a cartoonist first. That was the first job I ever wanted when I was little. And, uh, you know, setting aside just the, extraordinary quality of the artwork. Um, There's something about his just constant flights of fancy that what really resonated with me, like, yeah, like you, I was a kid with a big overactive imagination and I look at a lot of the media I consumed back then. And it's, you know, you look at something like, I don't know, Muppet babies. And it's kind of the same thing where it's like, Mm -hmm. like every episode are these characters using their imaginations to go, you know, to be superheroes or explore space or, or do whatever. And all of that stuff really connected with me. But there's also, like, a lot of heart and a lot of, like, more sophisticated thought going on, even though half of the strips are, you know, Hobbes just, you know, beating up Calvin, basically, and him vowing revenge. You know, th- things like that that are not highbrow. Um, but behind all of that, there is there is some highbrow stuff going on. So there's there's sort of a lot for everybody to sort of link into for Calvin and Hobbes.
2: Yeah, I think that... Um it's It's easy to assume that the the main thrust of the piece is the fact that like the and Hobbes part and that the the easy assessment of the character is the oh it's his imaginary friend like it's his imagination operating and that that kind of links into one of the facets of the strip which is these like flights of fancy that calvin goes on um and and it's true that's shared by a lot of media over the course of all media but particularly like 80s and 90s stuff like like doug has that sort of element to it scrubs has that element to it my crazy my crazy ex-girlfriend has that element to it where like all the songs are her flights of fancy kind of situation um so like it's been it's been done And it's been iterated upon and we've seen uh, lots of lots of takes on that. And that's a fun thing. It's a fun conceit as long as the rest of it really works. Um, The thing that's like really impressive, though, is that when you take a step back from that, like what does it allow for like all the different ways that the series like explores humor like there there's all the sight gags that are like so complex in some areas like all the snowman gags like that really are like these artistic jokes that are really like working with it all you know there's the like the the uh the wagon ride uh strips which are all the ones where he's like going down the hill with hobbs and they're having like deep philosophical discussions about like morality or humanity and so forth and that's a scenario where typically speaking uh the amount of chaos that they're about to hit is usually based around like where in this like kind of philosophical conversation they've gotten to to the point where like they hit a cliff or a rock or whatever exactly like at the moment where like something gets derailed or something like that like there's all these like levels to it that are afforded by some very basic conceits and some of them aren't even really required to be like flights of fancy that Again, a lot of them are afforded by, by this conceit, but like, it's (laughs) like, It's so much more than that. And it's such uh, it is such an apex of the art form, the craft of making a comic strip. Um, Like you mentioned that, like, it's hard for anyone to say that this is not the best comic strip. And I don't imagine that it's everyone's favorite. Like, it's probably my favorite, but there are other ones that I have really strong feelings for. And there are other comic strips that I'm sure hit better for a lot of people. But it's kind of like a Watchmen in, in a certain way where it may not be your favorite comic. It may not be your favorite thing of this form, but it is definitely one of the most like thought, thought provoking, but like thought intensive projects to put together, like the amount of effort that Watterson was putting into the piece in terms of, uh, subverting tropes, directly commenting on things like reflecting on the, the sources for why he wanted to do a comic strip like this. Um, and and then doing like all these like very elaborate different art styles to sort of convey it all in like these different humor formats like it it's very different. <laughs> like like uh, the the direct con- comparison is Garfield. Like where Garfield is very rigid, formatted uh, to the point where there's like Garfield randomizers, where it'll just put random strips of Garfield to see how well the jokes work together. Because like Garfield kind of just works that way. Um, versus the the intricate details that sort of require the, the setup and payoff of every Calvin and Hobbes strip uh, is is so much more el- elaborate and profound. To the point that Watterson actually like quit or, or, you know, like took hiatuses uh, and went through intense negotiations with the uh, the comic strip syndicate uh, in order to be able to express himself as artistically as possible in as little of a rigid format as possible. Uh, it, it's a really impressive piece in just the, the meta narrative on top of it. And then again, it, it actually pulls it off.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he earned the clout to be able to exercise that level of control where you look at it and you go, man, you know, this should have been merchandised to death, right? This yeah. should have been an animated series. Everyone should have been able to go out and buy a Hobbes plush they, the I saw, at least on Wikipedia, I don't know how reliable it is, but someone had analyzed it and thought he might have foregone 300 to 400 million dollars. For the sake of artistic integrity, by saying no, I don't want this merchandise. It's the, There's the books, and that's it. You know that. Yeah. Th- there's basically nothing. There's no, you know, day Calvin and Hobbes day calendars like there were for the Far Side. Like there's none of that stuff. Um, and yeah, like
2: imagine an know. animated series of Calvin and Hobbes coming out roughly when it would have based on the the spike of popularity. So probably we're talking like 89, 90, Um, like. That would have been a direct competitor with The Simpsons, and like Hobbs and Bart were often compared during like the heyday of both The Simpsons as a TV show and Calvin and Hobbes as a, as a cartoon strip. Like, like it's easy to think to get limited in talking about Calvin and Hobbes and why it like stuck with people in the context of the comic strips of the time or the written format. But like there was like in the zeitgeist, the desire for this sort of red t-shirted, like kind of a brat boy uh archetype, really exploring it. Like, like yeah, an exactly. imperfect, like, uh, like boy protagonist,
0: Dennis the menace. Right. Yeah, exactly. Thing. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned, yeah, Bart Simpson, like there's something about this, like, Oh, what a little rapscallion he is. And he is, Uh, But there's so much more going on with him than just the fact that he's constantly misbehaving, right? If that's all he was, was just kind of this little shit, um, it wouldn't connect. It wouldn't have the heart that it has. Um, Because what you sort of see with him is like, yes, he's misbehaving a lot, but it's sort of this like bigger overarching again is like his overactive imagination like there's there's something else this desire for something more that he he, as a six-year-old he can't really even contain and he's obviously much brighter than he seems to be at school right like they always show him he's failing every test but i learned so many vocabulary words just by reading this strip right he speaks at such an elevated level and um the, the the heart that's there. That's rare for a comic strip as well. Like we did an episode on the far side, which has none and by design, that's just not what it's for. Bloom County. I love um, a whole bunch that has some Calvin and Hobbes knows how to, you know, to use lame kid speak, hit you in the feels, Yeah. Um, You know, but it really does. Like there are episodes where like, you know, he is, you know, profoundly sad or frightened and like Hobbes is there for him. And like, it ends with just like, Oh, it's a simple, like, hug, or they're, like, snuggling by, a, you know, a warm fire. And yeah, like, it's it
2: hard to imagine doing, like, a very special episode with a comic strip, but somehow Calvin and Hobbes did it. Like, there's two big ones that stand out to me, which is the uh, burglary, when their house is uh, broken into, and Calvin has first can't find Hobbes, and... Um, and then the the baby raccoon, um, and these are like these are like the dog episodes of like Futurama. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're the ones that hit you really hard, and that everyone kind of remembers. But they're sort of sad that they do. Um, but there, there's no joke. It's just the intense like sadness and worry of this boy, and the characters who often have like antagonistic relationships with him, like his parents, are there and fully emotional and fully supportive. And you see that this dynamic, which is, is very true to childhood. Like, like there is that element of like trying to test your boundaries and the parents being the figures to like pull you back. And like, they're funny in their own ways, but like they're disciplinarians, but here you actually see the flip side, the caretaker, the thing that doesn't make for a good comic strip normally. um, And the, the decision to actually like go there. Like it's, it's one thing for the strip to be about like, you know, Calvin comes home and gets like, a, like tackled by Hobbs every time. And it's like, ah, ha, isn't that funny? Um, but like, to to have that juxtaposition and then have these like severe emotional moments, like that is that is a ballsy strip. That's what's made it last so long. Yeah, think, you know, we wouldn't be talking about it today if it didn't do that
0: because it makes those in between moments where, yeah, Calvin is getting tackled by Hobbes, he's beat up by Mo at school. Um, you know, kind of these beats that they would do over and over again, um, they would feel stale if they didn't have this stuff in them because it makes the relationship between Calvin and Hobbes or the other characters as well feel much more three-dimensional. And so, you know, it's much more endearing when Hobbes pounces on Calvin as he comes home because, you know, he's basically like a big dog. Right. And, you know, there's a love there between the two of them. Uh, that would it wouldn't be the same as just like Garfield kicking Odie off the table over and over again. That has no soul. Right. Mm-hmm. And so th- there's something about this aspect of the strip that is what's given it its immortality, I think, is it that we, we all co- sort of connect with Calvin and, and Hobbes a lot more. Um, now, you did mention about, you know, what it, this should have been an animated series. And, you know, there was pressure. To nah, do, I'm not saying it do, should whatever. have been. I'm just saying, like, the,
2: can you imagine if it had? Oh, yeah. Like, no, that's, I, that's what I, I, mean. I I truly think that the the that the strip form of this is the apex of what it was meant to be. Like, it, there there's so much thought put into the the medium of comic strips. Like, I I don't think it would translate to a different media without a severe change. And like, would, you'd would have to, like, really think it through.
0: Yeah, I. it's funny because, you know, when you read it, I, I was trying to think if I had, like, voices for them in my head. And when I've been reading it to my daughter, like, I, usually she doesn't want me to do, like, cartoon voices for them. But it made me think about it a lot and go, like, I don't know if I had to, like, cast this thing. Like, what does Hobbes sound like? What does Calvin sound like? These different characters. And mm-hmm. I was curious, if like, when you read it, do you have, you know, what what they sound like in your head?
2: Kind of Uh, like it's, it's almost like a half voice of of it all. Like you, you can kind of get like the tone and the, like the relative tenor, but I don't necessarily have like a specific person's voice that I would ascribe it to. Um, there's like the, the archetypes are so strong that I don't need to like necessarily have, like it be a specific person that's like, like going into that spot because it like, it it's such a broad range that would have been like kind of fine. Um, so I don't know what, I guess what I'm saying is I know what wouldn't sound right, but I, <laughs> I couldn't tell you necessarily and it's what almost everything. Right. Or it sounds like wrong. It's, you know.
0: Cause I've seen, they've done like animated Bloom County things. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like Opus, the the penguin Like it's yeah. not right. Whatever, no matter what you do, somehow it doesn't match what's in your head. And like, so trying to do this for my daughter, I was like, I don't know. What should Hobbs sound like? And I was like, eh, it's, if in reality, it would probably be like Billy West, but like, you know, I don't know if Fry is the right voice for hobbes like it doesn't it doesn't work um and so, yeah, I was just trying to wrap my brain around like I think it would be a casting nightmare to try and do I don't envy i I don't want to say you couldn't actually do a Calvin and Hobbes animated show and have it be good because you know with the right creativity, anything can be good, but it does seem like you said this is kind of the apotheosis of what this thing is already
2: yeah although now i'm like thinking like uh i'm blanking on the actor's name right now but he was patrick the starfish on spongebob bill fingerbaki yeah okay there we go uh for hobbs i think if he was playing a very erudite version of that character like because he so often plays the big dumb guy but like if he's like a very smart version of that i feel like that would actually do hobbs pretty well um Hmm. but also probably like a little bit higher pitch because it's got to be like a kid ish like like hobbs is very smart, but he's still like a kid tiger, uh, or at least that's like the vibe of the series.
0: Yeah, I can't even tell how old relative to Calvin Hobbes is supposed to be because he does show more like interest in girls and stuff like he, he you know, the, the Calvin would not go for. It. Like, so I, I don't know if he's meant to be like an adult tiger, but it doesn't really matter because he's whatever Calvin sort of needs him to be.
2: Yeah, like he... I mean, like you said, there's a very much of like a a boy and his dog kind of vibe with their relationship, um, which is nice. But like dogs mature faster. So like like regardless, like of how young you are or like how young you get the dog, like a good portion of the relationship of the the boy with the dog will be the dog in some state of maturity beyond like where the boy is at, um, regardless of like where the intellectual levels are. And like in Hobbes's case, he's like very clearly supposed to be smarter, a little bit more mature, a little bit chiller. Um, He, he, does have those sort of impulses so like is he older is he just a tiger the fact that we're talking about this is kind of insane because it's it's also like is he even a real thing like who can really say <laughs> like he's some sort of a representation of like how calvin sees kind of a big brother type um i guess would be the best way to say it
0: <laughs> yeah it's definitely the, the brother he doesn't have because he is an only child and as you said, he's sort of isolated. He doesn't have any other friends. He's sometimes friends with Susie, but not much. His his next door neighbor. Mostly, he torments her. But she's the only one who seems to spend any time with him at school, other than Mo the bully. Yeah, you know. Um, so there is something to that. Of like this kid is he's not anti-social exactly but like he isn't getting along with his
2: peers like he is you know. i think it's fair to say he's antisocial like he very clearly doesn't want to do sports the one time it really like comes up um he is very much like an outcast in his school settings every time there's like any presentation of like a group project or him working with anyone uh everyone always like treats him as being like the weird kid so like i i get that i i mean like if if you really want to get into it like this is very much it resonates with a lot of people because here's a representation of like a neurodivergent child like it very much fits for a lot of people who are grappling with that especially when they don't necessarily like fit into these like sort of like you know uh like flanderized like archetypes of like like what those things of neurodivergence like feels like so like all these people who are like somewhere in in all the various spectrums find a character who like, Oh yeah, that actually kind of fits. And it was an early one for us and a really well done version of that.
0: It's an interesting way to look at it. I had not ever considered him as like neurodivergent, but you're right. There is something to that, the way he, he can't quite relate to
2: his peers. Like he, I mean, I think the HD hits really obviously right there. And like, I, like there's such a spectrum of things that it could be specifically, but like a lot, that spectrum still, will find a point of resonance
0: yeah yeah are there there's a lot of recurring bits throughout the strip are there any that like are some of your favorites
2: oh uh, yeah i mean like the like the the fun of the series is the number of types of bits it has so we've talked a lot about like the flights of fancy where he uh like will be interpreting the world through some sort of like artificial kind of setting so like Some of them are him playing a protagonist in a specific type of story. So we mentioned Space uh, Stupendous Man before Uh, there's Spaceman Spiff, which is sort of like a sci-fi kind of setting uh or and i'm blanking on the name of the the noir detective character uh, at the moment tr- tracer bullet tracer bullet that's it uh where they do everything in like a very high contrast like mostly shadows kind of art style all of that's like one great sect of it there's tons of dinosaur stuff and that's always fun there's all the ba- the box gags that are fantastic like doing the transmogrifier or the duplicator and then my personal favorite of those uh all Uh, Although the the time travel ones are really fun also, but like my personal favorite is the moral version of the duplicator where it creates a purely good version of Calvin that is so offended at the evil that Calvin puts out there in the world that they get into a fight. And because of his desire to beat up Calvin for being such a douchebag he blinks out of existence because he's supposed to be just good and he can't actually have that level of evil that's inspired by his justified rage at this person. Uh, that's probably my favorite right there. But again, like the snowman gags are so good. There, there's so many good visual ones, like just the dancing ones where uh, uh, like Watterson, the, like the uh, the Sunday strips are so strong because he, he does this like really rich like watercolor kind of design for everything, uh, particularly once we get later and he's able to like do like uh, unique formats so he'll do really intricate like like art pieces that in some cases will be uh, like broader visual gags they'll be you know like alien vistas and like really cool stuff going on with that uh, and, and sometimes uh, it'll just be like here's a representation of them dancing and it will be all these different frames of animation that you could easily see being turned into like a flip book or something um, and and there's just such like wonderful moments where like the art itself is taking over this whole thing which has such good wordplay and has such good pacing and timing like it, it, it's just such a well-rounded package and it's, it's impressive that Waterson gave each one of those aspects places to shine in the types of humor that was being put out there
0: yeah I I love all of the ones you mentioned those are all great I enjoy a, a club gross get rid of slimy girls right yeah <laughs> at the, end. the best part of which is just the fact that Hobbes as quote unquote dictator for life insists that Calvin continually recite these longer and longer ridiculous oaths or pledges of allegiance to the club. Those are yeah. always really funny because you you, you get the impression of like, Jesus, this thing has like, you know, 15 stanzas that he has to do every time. Uh, I always like those. Those are cute. Um But yeah, the snowman gags are super strong. And um, the, there's the uh, yearly trip to the cabin, or, or no, the lake. They go right, to this yeah. lake with their dad. <laughs> that's this miserable camping trip every time. Which uh, I I do not particularly care for camping, so like I could relate to this. Uh, I was not my family was not too outdoorsy either, um, but I did a little of it. But I was like, yeah, there's something really fun about like this. This he the poor dad is the only one trying to have fun, and and mom and Calvin are just not having it.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or, uh, another good running gag in the whole series is Calvin's dad using his knowledge of the world to mess oh. with Calvin by lying to him. Uh, or the color one. Yeah. The, color the, the reverse one. exactly. ones, which are even better are the ones where Calvin's dad says the truth to calvin and calvin can't tell for sure if his dad's messing with him or not and is left in a like state of anxiety where he can't tell reality from fiction uh i'm thinking about the the record one where like calvin's dad is like the, if you look at the two points even though they're in a line one's technically going faster that like than like the the inner uh like the, the, the inner one goes on, slower than the outer the, one yeah uh correct yes and it was just like oh my god and like That's so great because it's such a reverse of like all these ones where, like you said, like the color one where it's like, oh, yeah, well, no, no, paintings are were black and white paint because the world was in black and white. But all photographs were actual color photos of a black and white world. Uh, And like that's such a good gag from the character.
0: And that kind of mirrors the other kind of gag where so that's Calvin's dad messing with him. Calvin will then go mess with his dad by constantly telling him that he's doing poorly in the polls. Right. (laughs) That's a great gag for a six-year-old to tell him, like, oh, no, you need, you know, basically, you know, you need to give us more ice cream or whatever. That'll help your Q rating or however he phrases it. Uh, That stuff is just really genuinely funny. That It's amazing he's able to kind of do these bits and repeat them so many times and still kind of find new ways to iterate on them without them becoming stale.
2: Yeah, and, like, it's an impressive work in that it is so not serialized everything is so self-contained minus the fact that there's like you know story arcs in there usually but at the same time there is a a larger narrative like all of these strips are so functional as standalone pieces um but then when you look at this broader um sequence like obviously there's like the the like specific stories, but like there are those pieces that keep coming back together and like around in interesting new ways, like, like Calvin ball, like there's an origin to Calvin ball. And then we see like new permutations of it all. (laughs) Exactly. I have a a rugby shirt that I've sadly outgrown uh, (laughs) for a a Calvin ball shirt. And like, that was like fantastic game. The, the, the various forms of the transmogrifier, like I alluded to the fact that the duplicator got iterated upon so that you have like the moral version of it. Like, that's pretty cool that, like, we're able to have jokes that are callbacks to earlier ones uh, and, and how it keeps building and, like, coming up with this new fun way. And, you know, the fact that the series ended on a really positive note that, like, encouraged all of this sort of iterating upon ideas and and all that sort of some, like, summarizing its whole ethos is a big reason why it's going to keep resonating for us. Like, the, like each one of those, like, really cool story points meant a lot to us worked so well was so funny and we're being told there's so much There, there, there's even more out there like it's like putting it in our hands to like a, appreciate adore and create more uh even beyond that point
0: yeah i mean you were talking about the way it ends is which is this strip that was december 31 i think 1995 and it's just calvin and Hobbes walking through a snowy forest uh, you know, going about to go sledding and basically just ends with them saying, let's go exploring.
2: It's amazing.
0: Yeah. It's a beautiful way to send off the strip um, because like you said, yeah, and obviously it, you know, leaves you wanting more and, but that, that is kind of, that exploration. That concept is so much at the heart of what makes Calvin and Hobbes work that, you know, that whether it is these literal flights of fantasy where he's pretending he's stuck in a cubist world or that, you know, gravity has gone into reverse, or, you know, there's so many of them. Um, but it is all about Calvin exploring and trying to understand his world through exploration. Then that this sort of, like, exhortation for us to do the same is uh, its just a beautiful way to bring that plane in for a landing.
2: Yeah, like, it's... It, we, we've referenced the, uh, the, the wagon rides, um, but the backyard is such a, a, an iconic part of the Calvin and Hobbes uh, franchise. Like, the backyard or like local forest or whatever whatever it is like there there seems to be this infinite forest wilderness that, yeah, yeah ex- exactly like this hundred acre woods style place that that calvin and hobbs can just ex- like escape to for all of their adventures and they it seems to be a place that they can just keep on going um but at the same time mom's just off you know like just off screen able to yell for them uh and it's it's just them by themselves so there's no like there is rarely interactions with any sort of like element of of nature beyond like you know a couple times with like birds or bees uh and then of course like the raccoon incident like but you know for the most part it's just like this sort of like safe like there's just a lot of trees around and it's like nice and they they get to explore it and like be philosophical that's such a huge part of the series like it it's so like it's such an image of childhood That resonates so well, even when you're a child. Like when I was six, I was like, I want that moment of like pure being a child there. Like it's an aspirational aspect. Uh, And like looking back as an adult, you're like, oh, yeah, those are those like best moments where you're just like hanging out with your friends in the woods. And there seems to be like no one else around. And you're just in this space in nature.
0: There's the, there's the book, uh, one of the books, you know, collections that was put out called, I think The Days Are Just Packed.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's just them, the the cover image is just them sitting in a tree or something in the middle of the woods, just, you know, kind of relaxed, implying that, you know, no, when you're a kid, it feels like summer just goes on forever and the world goes on for, you know, like, and I didn't grow up in a wilderness. I, I grew up in a you know, Southern California suburb by the ocean, uh, but it was, there was, kind of pockets of that just enough to be like, okay, well, I can't really wander off into the Canyon cause there's like snakes and coyotes and stuff. But, um, but there was that sense of like, I had something like this in my backyard and I desperately wanted to explore it. Like it, there was this, that, that again, that feeling as a kid that like this goes on forever, there is this world out there that we can wander through and have adventures in. Uh, and that yeah, again, like just feels like it goes to the soul of being a kid,
2: yeah, yeah, like likewise, I didn't have like a forest that I could like go to as a kid, but like I mean, even just like hiding in the bushes outside of like the front of my parents' house like feels like that kind of like natural kind of escape where like in this like space that is just yours, um and like I think that's such a cool part of the series because like the all of what we see in the strip is not supposed to be taken literally like. Even the stuff where it seems to be Calvin with his parents, and everything seems like it, like completely mundane there's still a point of view in place. Like we never find out his parents' names. We know very little about their, their actual existence. We've know very little about the circumstances because it's all from Calvin's perspective of like, well, what is relevant uh, to it all? Like Waterson even admitted that he regrets giving uncle Max a, as a character because it was like a, an attempt to have a character with a name and an identity. And that was like too much for like the six year old perspective of this world. Like, that 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 said, Uncle Max has had incredible life in uh in in, in post strip memes that are going on right now. Like <laughs> if you if you're on Facebook, check out Calvin and Hobbs spiff posting. It's incredible. <laughs> like there there have been amazing strips that people have put together with all of these like weird, like like secondary characters because they kind of can just be used in any particular way and it doesn't really matter. It's really funny. Um and Max is one of those.
0: Do you have any, I mean, there are, you know, a fair number of secondary characters, not a lot. Uh, And in fact, most of them were introduced real early in the series and they just, that's it. That's kind of the universe. But are are, uh, there any favorites in there?
2: I mean, so like Susie obviously has this place as being the main female character and like the one that like, you kind of ship a little bit like there is an implication that it's like the boy's crush on her is why he like kind of like tries to like tease her and like poke fun at her like kind of stuff um there uh there was a series i forget the name of it now but it, it was uh done in the style of calvin and Hobbes as if calvin and uh susie had gotten married and had a daughter that. Yeah, yeah it was it was really popular it ran for like i, I think it was only like a handful of actual like strips that were put out it would be they were like done in like the format of like sunday strips uh but as a web comic um but i think they like stopped being done in respect to like watterson's wishes or something like that uh but it it was was very tasteful and like very like like it was like this like fun future version of this where like their daughter was given hobbes but and so like this you know sub shipping that people kind of had of uh of calvin and susie actually like played out um so there is always that um i think that I think Rosalind is an interesting one from the perspective of like, if you're a teenager and you know what it's like to babysit a kid like that, you're like, Oh, I, I I get it. And that's probably the first one that you really like sort of feel like of the rest of them. Like, Miss Wormwood, I love the name every now and then there are moments where I'm like, oh, what else is going on in your life? Miss Wormwood, like (laughs) like, looking back at this character who like as a kid, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just the evil teacher. Uh, But like there are comments that she has when she's dealing with Calvin where you're like, oh, that there's some three dimensionality to to it that uh, you kind of miss when on your first reading of it all. Um, But then the dad and part of that is, yeah, I'm a new dad, but like he's having so much fun making fun of his son behind his back <laughs> like they like Calvin or uh, Calvin's dad as, as like as the figure who will tease him will ramble about like his, like his interest in biking um will you know comment on his snow art uh and then every now and then they'll have like a snowball fight and actually have like these really like sweet scenes together that's such a like a well rounded three-dimensional character and like the mom gets some of that but she doesn't quite have the eccentricities of the dad like the dad has like the dad's a nerd in his own right like the dad looks a lot like the like the stock image that everyone knows of like bill watterson um but like he's he like Again, he's, he's multifaceted and we in a way that we get to see, whereas the mom probably has more stuff going on. But like we don't really see a lot about like her hobbies or interests, uh, relatively speaking. Um, and so it's just like kind of fun to have this like parent who gives as good as he gets with Calvin.
0: Yeah, they definitely go out of their way to show you, like you said, his eccentricities, his sort of like lame interests, or at least that they're lame to Calvin. And his like something I can super relate to now as a dad is like his constant efforts to try and like introduce calvin to things he thinks are interesting uh, and calvin's complete shutting that down uh, i cannot tell you how many times i have tried to get my kids to like watch some movie or you know read something and like this is cool you have no idea i am not like oh, they're, they're just not old enough yet to be open to those things but like watching calvin's dad kind of struggle with that like no this is good you're gonna like this and like nope no, no, no. That, so it, it just felt so true to life. And I wonder how much of that is, you know, Bill Watterson's real father in there. Um, but you're right. He is probably the most well-rounded character outside of Calvin and Hobbes themselves.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, again, all the characters are pretty, you know, well-established. But, like, in terms of, like, this, like, full, you know, the, the, this I contain multitudes. Like, the dad's the one who has all of that going on.
0: Did you ever kind of? I was kind of interested because I, when I was uh, reading this, of course, I had no idea who Calvin and Hobbes were. their their namesake philosophers, but I, I went back and I looked at it and it was like, oh, there is something of that to them that they do sort of embody parts of, of those two guys' worldviews. Like, so I mean, Calvin, for example, the main thing people associate with him is predeterminism, right? That you know, yeah, if God is infinitely powerful, therefore everything's already been mapped out in advance and. You know, whether you're going to hell or not, that's all been predetermined. And that in that lies a certain kind of anarchistic freedom that Calvin embodies, which is like, well, doesn't matter what I do, because, you know, it's all going to work out however it's supposed to work out anyway. We, you know, um, that he definitely takes that approach. And Hobbes is more the the philosopher Hobbes is all about the social contract. Right. And you see that in Hobbes, the tiger as well. He's the one who's always trying to pull calvin back down to earth a little bit and go like well you know this seems like we're not supposed to be doing this
2: yeah i mean like uh, <laughs> like there are of course like moments where like Calvin's saying like i i deserve x y or z thing just to happen to me because like because of who i am and so there is certainly like a like a case to be made for that yeah i i think there's also just like kind of <laughs> it, it's certainly possible and like he Like, Watterson was, like, extremely explicit of, like, that he chose those names because of the people that they're, like, coming from, like, the historical figures. And, like, sure, it, it there are certainly elements of that. I, I think that, like, it's kind of you have to, like, squint to make it all work. Uh, well, yeah, and, because, I mean, if
0: you look at the actual writings of, like, Hobbes, it's much more like you know, well, we need, we all need a, you know, basically a sovereign overlord to tell us what to do to have any kind of system of government. And it's like, well, that's a bit much. Um, but, and that doesn't quite fit with Hobbes the Tiger's worldview either. So you're right about having to like squint to make it work. But it is yeah. kind of interesting that there's a little bit of that, just a sous of of this philosophical stuff in there.
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly like, because like the, it could be that connection, but there's like, that's the A and the C points there, that like there's some kind of idea in the middle of it. Like if, because like, where Hobbes kind of like lines up with the historical Hobbes, like is a perspective of the inferiority of humanity. Uh, But that's because he's a tiger in the the case of the, like the cartoon strip Hobbes. And so it's like, it could work just fine. It could be like a shark tail scenario of all the mobsters are the sharks kind of thing. Like where like you, you figured out how it like how that all kind of makes sense. But 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 there is that filter in, in place there for those ideas. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's not possible that it would work that way, because Lord knows our brains are weird. And like
1: th-
2: we we make these like kind of random associations on how to like put it together. And like, wouldn't it be funny if the reason they they said this was because this like kind of logic could make sense there. But again, there is that, that, that like filter in place.
0: Uh, you know, as I go back to it now. As a, you know, as an adult, as a parent, um, I find myself kind of, you know, marveling at how they take this kid who is, you know, you would hold up as, you know, he's, he's the bad influence. He's a bad example, right? He's constantly, you know, destroying things, misbehaving, making trouble, Um, but you still make him your hero and like you root for him despite all of that stuff. And you, you sort of find like the good in him over and over again. Like it's a neat kind of balancing act that they do with that. And maybe it's cause they have Hobbs there to kind of like be sort of that reflection of his better angels, but it's you know, tricky.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I think it would be difficult in general to have a, a lead character in a series be fully bad. Um, and i and i think that this is a you know we we talked about it earlier with like the dennis the menace kind of archetype um it it is interesting to have an exploration of a character who is so flawed in a way that is like ultimately harmless like uh like calvin is shown to be a moral character when it comes to the really important stuff or at the very least to have um sympathy for like when bad things occur um but, like, the idea of a brat is, it, is is kind of engaging because it allows you to have not, like, this, like, perfect, like, angel of a protagonist. Like, you can have, like, situations that are their fault. Like, the source of comedy can be all their, their faults, but you can't just have them be bad all the time. If they're unrepentant, then there's nothing really to, like, work with. But, like, we kind of glom on to those moments where Calvin is either a scared child and, and we feel like a parent to him or where he actually is sympathetic or, and like, even if he's just remorseful for being mean to Susie, like those are the moments where we see actual growth. Like there is growth with his relationship with Rosalyn over time to the point where she actually engages in Calvin ball, like where those are moments of the characters kind of becoming more advanced uh, and, and changing a little bit because, you know, again, like he's always going to be six, but we get to see that this is a character who is not just, you know, someone we should write off. It's a, it's a someone who we want to see succeed and become a better person. Uh but we also are going to laugh at these like, you know, terrible moments for the character um and like because most of the misfortune for him co- is something that he brings on himself.
0: Oh yeah, by and large, it's yeah his or his attempts to try and get away with something that like as a kid like like no no you're gonna have to take a bath kid like you can't you can't you can only put that off for so long right yeah. and so you but they also tr- sort of combine that with funny moments and you could see behind the scenes like okay there's all the ones where he's trying to get out of the tub but there's also all the ones where he's like his mother or somebody has come up with an idea that would make him want to stay in there yeah right or so like with like eating, they do this bit where like the food that they eat is always drawn as this incomprehensible Lovecraftian glop. And <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's a classic one where there's usually it involves the thing like jumping off the plate. He's refusing to eat it. He's gagging. He's making faces. But then there's one where his dad or his mom tells him like, it's like, you know, Oh no, that's like spider eyeballs. And then he's like, Ooh, I want to eat it. You know, and he goes <laughs> for it. And like, it's that kind of stuff where it's like, Oh, when the parents lean into his proclivities that like you, you again, like, it kind of you create a comedy moment you but you kind of redeem calvin a little bit and you like strengthen the bonds he has with his parents through those moments
2: yeah yeah i think that sort of plays into my my earlier statements of him being if if not neurodivergent like the weird kid and like finding ways to relate to them through what where like the the sort of like cut and dried here's like the expected family relationships aren't working and where they like lean into it that is a really interesting element and like sort of like a plea for parents to understand their children better. uh, Even if they come off that way Um, before we, between scheduling this all like was a relatively quick period of time uh, for the listeners at home. Um, But I did have a chance to to review a bunch of Calvin and Hobbes stuff. And one of the things I was looking at um, my sister for Christmas last year, got me this wonderful uh, bound, like reprinted version of Calvin and Hobbes, like the whole run. It's that brown one right Yep. that
0: that big three volume thing yeah i have a yeah, four yep. volume thing yeah oh is it four i have yeah. one that's three but it's the same it, thing
2: it's heavy as hell um yeah but so i was reviewing the last couple strips Um, uh, because like the last strip like sticks with me for a whole bunch of reasons like it's it's wonderful to start with but like i actually have a signed copy of it from bill watterson with like a, a lovely note oh. because because my aunt knew i was such a huge fan like she wrote to him and like like re- like asked him to send that uh and it was, you know, just like a, a wonderful note from the from the creative series that really meant something to me. Um, but to like look at the other things leading up to it, like I I was like, oh wait, what were like, what was the week before? What was the you know like were, were the last couple of strips like of Calvin and Hobbes? If you weren't thinking about just the last strip, and the second to last Sunday strip is the Christmas strip because the, the last strip is the New Year strip, um, and it's Santa being given by the elves Calvin's dossier. And, like, the whole strip is them, like, going over, like, if he's a naughty boy or a nice boy for the purposes of getting gifts. uh, And, like, what kind of, like, crazy list Calvin submitted to Santa Claus. Um, And it it cuts off with, like, Calvin, like, waking up from the dream of imagining this, like, whole debate going on between Santa and the elves um, and saying that he can't stand the tension. And, like, what's fantastic about that as the penultimate, like, color strip for the series is that that is Watterson saying who can really say if Calvin's a good boy or a bad boy, like where, like where does he fall on the moral spectrum? A thing that is honestly an open debate for the entirety of the series, like is left up to us for how we rule on the matter, because they point out there's all these things he did, but there's also all these extenuating circumstances and there's all these like uh, o- other elements. And <laughs> when they mention it, it's like, ah, yes, the noodle incident boy, you know, that, that mm-hmm. thing that happened that they allude to all the time, but we're never allowed to see, which is one of the best, things about the series that i can't believe we haven't said anything about yet it's so the good incident. the noodle incident is so good uh but uh but santa is is in the scenario with these elves not able to honestly determine because every single thing has a caveat like everything good he does was for a bad reason and everything bad he does probably had a good reason frankly with calvin uh and so you end up with a scenario where Waterson is asking you the audience to decide or decide not to care. Like, because he has elements of both in him. Um, and that's, you know, a, a good note on where does the character end up? He's still somewhere teetering back and forth because he is a, a, a child who could grow up to be anything. Um, and then the next Sunday strip after that is the world is a blank canvas. Let's go exploring. You know, it's, it's two sides of it. It's the, it's the philosophical versus the imaginative side of the series. Um, and I really adore that that was a conscious decision made uh, in in wrapping up this, you know, this, you know, decade long series.
0: I, I would put him as chaotic neutral. I think that's probably. where I would go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that is you're right over the long haul of it, the full 10 years of this experiment. It is a lot of, you know, um, asking you as a reader to figure out, all right, you know, is he good? Is he evil? You know what? Um, how do you feel about this kid? Right. You know, is he just, Hey, he's a little stinker and that's funny, or is there something more going on? And I think it's, that's why those, those heartfelt ones we've touched on are so important because they tip the scale so far back towards good, um, that make it, you know, you, you understand Calvin's thought process so much more than if he was just a, a truly as two dimensional as he is drawn. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Do we, we do? We, I guess we never do find out what the noodle incident is, but they do reference it many times.
2: Right No, it's it's explicitly a joke that we just will never figure it out because it's funnier in our heads, whatever it could be.
0: Right. Um. Gosh, we, we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else we, we need to say about Calvin and Hobbes here as we're bringing it home? <laughs> why, why do you think it is that, um, you know, that gosh, this thing's you know, stopped running at the very end of 1995. Here we are in 2023. And this thing just, it's, it's survived. Like people will go out and buy this legacy collection for their kids. Like th- this comic strip will endure forever. Um, what do you think it is about it
2: that has connected with so many people? Um, I mean, uh, as we alluded to before, it's, it's, it's timeless and. It's so earnest for like the type of work that it is relative to plenty of strips that were out there at the time, but like <laughs> it, I I think it just hit at the right spot where it had enough meta knowledge, but it was still playing by the old rules. It was kind of the apex of like that, t- like that regular newspaper comic strip. Like while there are plenty of good ones that came after it, like this was the one that I clearly identified this format that had been going for the 20th century and not and not really before that like while there were political cartoons before that like the comic strip as you know is very much a 20th century kind of thing and this was the the strip that sort of like capped off that period and then everything that come that comes after it is starting to deal with shifts in how people appreciate it like shifts in uh more people appreciating it from uh you know, from trade paperbacks or like the, the, the collections of it, uh, moving on to online strips, you know, changing all, all of those things that have changed with the art form. Um, those are challenges that Calvin and Hobbes never had had to deal with in any way. Um, it was able to just flourish as the best example of this particular art form before the art form had to change in really dramatic ways.
0: I think you're right. I think, you know, it, it would be hard for something like Calvin and Hobbes to get a to hold now, yeah. Partially because of the way we consume media, which is like you used to just, yeah, you, this thing would be in the newspaper. You would all get every, I would remember every morning, you know, sitting down with the comics page and reading Calvin and Hobbes and all these other strips that I really liked. Um, but this was always my favorite every time. And and I think it is sort of the apex of the art form, like you said. Like there are comics that I enjoy on the web that I will go find. You know, I mean, you have like your Perry Bible Fellowships and things like that that are very clever. They're very well drawn. They can be very interesting, but there's something about having these recurring characters that are so endearing and so heartfelt. And the subject matter is such a like arrow straight to everybody's court because everybody was a child. And yeah. there's the, the, the thesis of this whole thing is about what it means to be a child, what the, what the world looks like from a child's point of view. Whereas most comic strips are more about, you know, the adult world, um, The horrors that we face politically, the, the, um, the just quirky weirdness of our intersexual politics, like, you know, all of the strange stuff we have to deal with. Very little of it is about like, man, girls have cooties and kind of going back to that kind of back to basics is what Calvin and Hobbes does. Like it goes to this super universal experience and makes it meaningful and kind of noble in a strange way, there's something about like yeah. watching Calvin struggle that, yeah, there's this feeling of like we all went through this and, you know, there is uh, there there is a place where we all started as like these kind of fairly innocent kids that is you want to return to over and over again.
2: Yeah, it it also was allowed to flourish the way that that Watterson wanted it to flourish like it, it wasn't bowing to the pressures of like the publications, uh, in, in a lot of like very real ways. Like, uh, like I said before, Watterson took hiatuses while he was doing like, like renegotiations of contracts, um, to really like fight for his rights as a creator. Um, the bit like a big one is like the Sunday strips used to have like a very like rigid format for how it would be published, um, so that it could be like chopped up into specific configurations. And, uh, he had fought so that he didn't have to do that because it was giving him, uh, Framework where he had to write the strip in a certain way, like the first two panels had to be like related but not not required to understand the rest of the strip, kind of stuff. And he fought to be able to do his format however he saw fit. Uh, The fact that he wasn't bowing to merchandise like pressures and so forth, like all of those things, allowed for the character to flourish the way he wanted it to, and not have to be, you know the have the rough edges smoothed out because of corporate pressures to not have the the character like have a catchphrase that was like super important to him you know not that it's unique that a work would like comment on that like the simpsons did a whole episode of you know the like i didn't do it boy episode like but that was a big risk at the time you know like look at what happened with like urkel for example like you know Calvin very easily could have been that kind of a mascot kind of character that would have been like really popular for like 18 months and then like kind of like faded away. But instead we get to have this like very touching version of a character who is a shitty kid. Like he's terrible. Like you would not want to be his parents. But if he was crying, you absolutely would console him. You know, like to have like this like very real child uh, living in a fantasy world that we kind of, all relate to because we all did too Um that that endures in a way that like he wouldn't if he was you know turned more into an action figure
0: or say a a sticker of him peeing on something right
2: yeah
0: (laughs) which yeah for the record yeah not a bill watterson drawing that was co-opted by somebody else and merchandised against his will so um Case, man, thank you so much for coming on and talking about Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, what a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to go back and look at those strips. And, yeah. Uh, this has been on kind of my my short list of things I've wanted to talk about on this show for a long time. So I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, so... Uh Case, tell the good you've you already mentioned at the top what your podcasts are where can they find your stuff
2: Yeah um so th- this was a, a, a true delight so thank you again for having me on um the the opportunity to spend time talking about a comic strip from 20 uh 28 years ago Jesus Christ uh is is uh not a thing i get all the time and so i really appreciate the opportunity um because normally what i deal with in terms of my online presence is again the men of steel podcast which is a superman show another pass which is a movie show uh and uh if you want to find me on the socials uh if you want to go to the site formerly known as twitter uh i'm there at case aiken on blue sky i'm at case aiken instagram i'm quetzalcoatl five because i refuse to give up my aim screen name from high school uh that's the last message. <laughs> well that and twitch but like i don't i'm not like like I watch people on Twitch. I'm not like on Twitch, <laughs> but, uh, the, but yeah, so the Instagram, Kessel, 5, everywhere else is going to be at Case Aiken, uh, any, any socials that pop up, or you can find me at the CPOV discord. Uh, you can find a link at certainpov.com. Uh, you can also find all the podcasts I work on there, but, uh, come check that out. It's a, it's a great place for conversation. Doug, you and I have had a chance to interact quite a bit, especially video game conversations, but like you have a mega man avatar. It's pretty awesome. I love it. Thank uh, you. <laughs> uh but but we've had like lots of great conversations over there it's a, it's a good rhythm it's not like one of those discord servers where like you post a comment and if you look away for five minutes you have to like scroll for 20 minutes to like find your previous comment uh it, it, like it's a it's a good rhythm of, of the conversation and I'm around uh I did just have a child and so I'm a little less online than I was previously uh for reasons of lack of sleep but uh I can relate <laughs> <laughs> uh but if you at me I will uh I, I will get back to you and I, I always happen to engage about all all the nerd stuff because I'm I, I'm a big nerd and I, thank god for the internet because i thought i was i was so alone like calvin uh, for such <laughs> such of my life uh and and, and then i found all of y'all so uh yeah. yeah no thank you and it, please check out my stuff
0: yeah it's a it's a great island of misfit toys for sure um, so uh to do a quick bit of admin on our side if uh of course you like the show uh, and of course ed C- case's shows as well please go rate and review them uh tell friends about them and all that stuff uh, and uh, see if you want us on the socials we are still on the hell site formerly known as Twitter uh, so we're there at Nostalgia Pod. you can find us on threads or Instagram as NostalgiaMartan. and I would recommend following us on Instagram because that's where I post all the bonus stuff so go there that so far has been a safe lifeboat away from the whims of evil billionaires for now uh, and then, uh, let's see uh, If you have thoughts on our recent episodes uh, So obviously on Calvin and Hobbes Our last episode on doing impressions Which is sort of a, uh, a different beat uh, Before that was Mega Man 2 uh, And uh, coming up next I believe, as my son tries to bang down the door Is uh, Ratchet and Clank And after that, I'm not sure Our schedule has been thrown totally into whack By the uh, the strike going on with the writers and actors So we're, we're feeling things out as we go but, Yeah, uh, but Solidarity
2: <laughs> Uh, yeah. Again, another pass is currently on hiatus for just that reason because it's a movie show. So, we stand. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, man, case. Thanks again for coming on, man. Yeah. No.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I was a delight. All right. So until next time, that is one more entry in the nostalgia arcana.
1: When I was younger, my imagination kept me sane. I didn't have any friends, so I created one. I constructed entire planets for myself. But as I grew up, I tried to leave childish things behind. My imagination had other ideas. And my daydreams, once harmless, slowly turned into a hellish reality.
0: There's
2: something wrong with Calvin. (laughs) There's always been something
1: wrong with him. Do you believe in the devil? A supreme evil being dedicated to the corruption and destruction of man? I'm not sure that man needs the help. Look, where do you think these daydreams are coming from? Your imagination is part of you. I can't control it. Well, you have to. If these... Manifestations are real now It'll tear you apart Any monsters under the bed tonight? No, Uh-oh. no. I'd hate to have to torch one You have a flamethrower Close enough <sighs> It knows I'm growing up It's fighting back <laughs> Evolving yeah. And I don't think I can stop it I'm not sure you want to are getting worse. Hobbs is gone. He's somewhere inside my mind. I've got to go after him.